Hey guys, Dave Riesinger here. Thank you for tuning in today. We have a special message for you. We're starting a new sermon series. It's going to be a mini series and we're going to walk through one of the shortest Psalms in all of the Psalms. Uh, yet this Psalm is so special. It's called the gem of the, new, uh, of the scripture. Um, there's a lot of uh, writing about this Psalm. Um, other than John 3.16, this might be probably the most famous passage in all of the Bible. And what's cool about it, it's six verses, so it seems kind of short, and uh, yet it actually encompasses and encapsulates the entirety of our Christian walk, believe it or not. And so that's why we want to slow it down for a few weeks and walk through some of the incredible spiritual supernatural truths that God gave us in this gem of the scriptures. This is the 23rd Psalm. You'll hear this at funerals. Um, you'll see this prayed in a lot of churches. Um, you'll even see people that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior somehow have memorized and can quote this Psalm. Uh, but it is so important to slow it down because it is written from a very cool perspective from one of the greatest heroes of our faith um, that's ever lived. And this is David, King David, who was once a shepherd boy. Let me read it and then we're going to dive into it. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, today, I just want to teach on verse number one, um, and let's see what God says to you and I as we break down the connection between sheep and shepherd. Now, as I said before, David is the one who wrote this, and it's kind of cool because he wrote it from a very intimate place of experience. David, who was the youngest of uh, his father's sons, he he was given the lowly job of tending sheep. Um, this would be like, hey, um, son, you're in charge of mowing the grass. Um, another daughter's in charge of, uh, you know, getting the mail, um, helping mom around the house. Uh, and then you, you have one kid who's in charge of like making sure the cat has food in his bowl. Kind of a lowly deal. David is given kind of a lowly job here, and yet he draws a picture of relationship with God from his years as a young man on the backside of a hill tending his father's sheep. And one day God would call him from tending his father's sheep to actually shepherding God's own people, the people called Israel. And God would call him not just to be a king, but to be the shepherd who would lead God's people according to God's ways and God's word. And so when David gives this psalm, he's giving it from a very intimate place of knowledge. If you ask me to talk about how to shepherd sheep, I could only give you the perspective of things that I've read because I've never been around sheep other than a trip to New Zealand when I was on a select basketball team. 
and uh, we were trying to catch them because they were everywhere. That's about the, the, the closest I've ever been to a sheep. Uh, but David writes this, and amazingly, he actually writes this from the perspective, not of the shepherd. Now watch this. He writes it from the lens of a sheep. This is sheep speak. So if a sheep could grab a pen and grow a thumb and hold on to that pen and give it a pad of paper, and if, and if a sheep could express its heart and mind and write down the experience that it had with a good shepherd, like maybe David, what would the sheep write? You know, sometimes I wonder what my animal is thinking. I'm like, I know this, this animal is thinking and, you know, my animal communicates as I've got this dog. Well, we think it's a dog. It looks like an Ewok, but um, I know like if it could speak, it would say more than what it's giving me right now. And David actually says, hey, let's look at the Lord, our shepherd, and let's explain the relationship we have with him through the, the, the position, the posture, or the vantage point of a sheep who's been well taken care of. And so David does this. And I love too that um, David, who, was, who became a king, he didn't talk about the sheep relating to the king. Why? Because a king is, is more distant um, from his subjects than a shepherd. A shepherd lives among his sheep. In fact, it's said, I read a book and I can't remember the name. I think it's, the book is called uh, Smell Like Sheep or something. And it's talking about how shepherds who are pastors, um, they should actually smell like sheep. Meaning that if you're a true shepherd, you get, you get your hands dirty in the lives and the drama and the joy and the pain of the people that you're leading. A king has a different position. So he doesn't write about a sheep relating to a king. He writes about the one who walks with them, protects them, leads them, and feeds them. Uh, a king doesn't know exactly how many subjects are in his kingdom. They might do a census and get a round number, but he couldn't tell you the names of every person in his kingdom, but a shepherd could. In fact, it says, Jesus says that the good shepherd leaves the 99 to go after the one. And I love this idea that a shepherd actually knows the difference when looking at his flock between 99 and 100, and when one is missing, a shepherd knows every sheep so well and so detailed that when one goes astray, a good shepherd will go after that one because he lives so close with the flock. A king doesn't engage in the lowly role of tending the flock except one king, the true king who's called the good shepherd Jesus Christ our Lord. So check this out. This psalm is so incredible because it's before Jesus was actually Jesus. He was, he was the Lord or Yahweh. We, we see even here uh, the word Lord is in all capitals. It's the tetragrammaton and it's, uh, it's, it's Yahweh. You can't pronounce it. In fact, when they would get to this name Yahweh, they wouldn't even say it. It was too holy. They would just say the name Hashem. And, and David is talking about the Lord who then is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ when he comes on the scene and he's revealing the kind of shepherd that the Christ would be to us who is a king and a shepherd. Imagine that, that our king, the king of all kings in which every knee will bow, will live among us and walk among us and know us so well that when we go astray, he has us in mind and he pursues us and he finds us in our wandering. 
and he finds us in our waywardness and he brings us back into the fold. That's how close and intimate the love of God is for us. I love this too because this is, uh, and, and please don't take this as an insult because uh, I'm in the same boat. Number one, you are not considered a sheep unless you know the shepherd. This doesn't apply to those who have not believed on Jesus Christ as the shepherd, as the way, the truth, and the life. But God has extended his love and his grace to every single person. Whether you have a crazy, terrible background, whether you are the worst of people, whether you have, uh, whether you're, 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 you're famous and you worship your fame or you're infamous and everyone hates you. Jesus says, come one, come all, but come through the one door to the one savior, which is Jesus. And when that happens, you become part of his fold. You become part of his flock. And when you become part of his flock, scripture says 200 times that we are called sheep. Now, this is interesting. Why does he call us sheep? And again, this is not to insult us, but when you look at sheep compared to other animals, there's a few things you find. I'm going to hit on three of them. You and I are called sheep, number one, and again, let me say this and then, and then I'll unpack a little bit. Uh, number one, sheep are dumb. Sheep are dumb animals. Sheep are uh, one of the, if not the most, unintelligent animals in existence. I watch, I've got a little green belt behind my house and I watch birds. They will grab little pieces of straw and mud and they'll create a nest. They make a home and they put it in a place that, you know, other animals can't get to it and other birds, you know, it's kind of hidden off. I'm like, it's pretty incredible that this, this little tiny bird can create this little nest, go out, feed, protect, all this. So the, these, these birds are pretty intelligent. I've seen dolphins. In, in, in perform some of, some of the most incredible commands that their trainers give them. How does a human communicate with a fish? I mean, we live in two different worlds there, and yet dolphins can perform the most incredible things. Uh, my dog is, is uh, again, I, I don't know if it's a dog or not, but we taught it to sit down, to speak, to spin, to dance. It'll perform for food, it's pretty smart. It tells us when it needs to go outside and do its business, right? Uh, but sheep, I, I've never seen a sheep jump through rings of fire at a circus. Uh, I've never seen a sheep balance a ball on its nose. Uh, the only time I've seen sheep performing is at the Puyallup Fair when you strap a toddler to its back and you, you make a slap sound and here, you know, this sheep freaks out and it's basically the preschool version of rodeo. But I haven't seen sheep do anything super intelligent. And God isn't trying to insult us. In fact, we're the most intelligent of all of Earth's creation. So he's not saying we're stupid or dumb in that regard. He's just reminding us that you and I will never survive spiritually if left to our own ideas and our own intelligence. In fact, the wisdom of man is foolishness compared to the foolishness of God. He doesn't have foolishness, but you know, God's most unbright thought, um, he doesn't have a thought that's not bright, but his, his, his lowest thought is extremely and profoundly more wise than the most intellectually elite on our planet. And what God is saying here, he calls us sheep because um, whether you are a, uh, a lost sheep 
or a found sheep as a human in human nature, our, our nature is not capable of, of, of guiding us or contemplating the thoughts and the ways that would lead to eternal life and spiritual safety. And so we are constantly in need of the perspective and the wisdom of the shepherd. Isn't it interesting that when God uh, came to the earth in human form, Jesus ascends and he sends us the spirit of what? The spirit of truth. Why did he leave us the spirit of truth? Because we are so prone to lies that we need dwelling in us the spirit, the person that counsels us and that teaches us. He's a counselor and a teacher. Not only that, but just in case we we don't follow and stay tuned into the spirit on the inside at salvation, he left us his word. We have this book that is the word of God and it's the instructions and the pathway of life and blessing, knowing that we as even believers, sheep in the fold, we are so prone to follow our own intelligence and end up unsafe, in dangerous places, in dead ends, and in destruction. And so he says, you are going to need the wisdom and the guidance of the shepherd if you're going to make it. Again, not an insult. Um, you know, we are children of the king. But isn't it funny that when you got saved, I, I just thought of this this morning uh, before coming here to film this. And I was like, yeah, it, uh, it's interesting. We weren't just given a new heart at salvation. We were also given what? A new mind. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says this, For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This means that our former mindset was not safe or sufficient. So God said, hey, to my sheep, I got to give you a new mind because your old mind will lead you into the wrong places. And therefore, I have to put on uh, uh, righteousness. I, I am righteous in Christ, but every day I die to myself and I put on humility. I put on uh, the, the mind of Christ, if you will, meaning that I choose daily to surrender to his voice instead of my own. Um, number two, this is interesting too. So not only are sheep considered pretty dumb, um, but sheep are also very defenseless. I remember hiking uh, we went on a uh, hunting trip into the Ochico wilderness. It was me and two buddies. And we decided to backpack in. So we're going to go deep, deep into the forest. This isn't like KOA. We didn't pull up to an RV spot. We're like hiking deep. I mean, down ravines. And uh, I'm like, man, if we get in here, this is one of my first hunting trips, and we actually kill an elk, how are we going to get out of here? I mean, we did some serious hiking. So we get in the first night and... Uh, and I can't, we went in a few miles and we're setting up and, and we should have set up in the, in the light, but it was getting dark and then it was just pitch black. So we're unpacking our stuff. We're getting ready to put the, uh, you know, the tents together. And, you know, we know there's cougars and there's bear in this area. And I'm the type of dude like, you know, God forbid a, a cougar or a bear attacks me or something happens. I'm not going to be the guy that's unprepared. Um, my wife, this drives her crazy, but we go on a camping trip and I bring everything and the kitchen sink. And on this trip in particular, I'm like, man, I am going to come strapped. Like I am packing heat. I got my hand cannon. In fact, I had two pistols, two nine millimeter six hours. We're 145, 19. 
And, and it wasn't enough to have one magazine. I had to have like six or eight magazines on my person. And uh, because, you know, in my mind, I just play worst case scenario. So I picture myself hiking through and I know bears don't attack in herds, but what if the one time they do like rack up in a herd or a pack and they come after me, like I need an arsenal, right? So I'm ready to, I'm ready to roll. I'm armed to the teeth. About 80% of the weight I was packing was ammo and guns. So we get in and all of a sudden we're, we're, we're in the pitch. We, we take our tent, we pull it out and we start to hear this noise coming toward us. Hearts racing, heart pounding, like this thing sounds big and it's moving in our direction. And I'm, when I say pitch black, it is pitch black in the forest, no light from any city. And my buddy grabs his lantern, a little propane lantern, he lights and right when it gets light, so I, all of a sudden he flashes across and we're looking for where the noise is coming from and I see two eyes literally looking right at me. So I grab my nine, I'm like shack shack and I point and I'm ready to just go to town if this thing is going to, so I'm, I'm ready to blow this like bloodthirsty beast away. Well, we finally get the light on him and to our amazement, it was only a big cow. Really harmless, right? I was ready to go to town. None of us were afraid once we realized this was a cow. And in the same way, uh, a sheep is very defenseless. There's nothing to fear about a sheep. Now again, God is not insulting us, but you can see what I'm building here. I've never seen or I can't imagine a family going on a hike and coming across a sheep and dad saying to the family, like, kids, back up slowly. We need to get to the car. Don't make any sudden movements. He's trying to find his gun. The teenagers are crying. Mom is praying, dear Lord, shelter us from this beast. Please do not let this animal attack us. That wouldn't ever happen because a sheep is not a threat. A sheep has a lot of threats but I've never heard of a man being mauled by sheep. And what God is saying when he calls us a sheep is he's not saying, hey, you're weak or you have no power. Um, what he's saying is that the only power you and I have as believers is that which the shepherd gives us and does in us and through us. Meaning that like we on our own are defenseless against the ancient Satan who knows us so well and knows human nature, we are so defenseless. But when the shepherd lives in us and walks with us and, it, it, and moves through us, you and I as sheep sent out among wolves, when we walk closely with the shepherd, we can walk into dens uh, of devils and they fear, not because of us, but because they see the presence of the shepherd in us and with us. And when we look or when we bah and we say the word of God and we say the name of God, it might sound like bah to us, but it's the roar of the lion of Judah, the shepherd speaking through us. And it's just so funny that God would cause demons to flee when a sheep proclaims the truth or the name of Jesus Christ. And that, that demonic force or that attack or that enemy through our eyes sees the eyes of the ones who, 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 who has eyes of blazing fire. This is the connection and the relationship a defenseless sheep has when the power of the shepherd 
is with us. So again, God's not saying you're weak. Listen, I'm type A. Like the last thing I want to be called is a sheep, right? Have you ever played the game like, what's your spirit animal? You know, what, if you could be an animal, what would it be? I've heard a lot of things. I've heard, uh, I'm an ego. You know, I soar above problems and nothing can touch me. I've heard, you know, panther or leopard or, you know, for me, I would, I would say, you know, lion um, or liger, maybe a tiger lion mix, you know. Uh, I've never heard anybody say like, you know, gerbil. I, uh, I feel like my spirit animal is, or maybe a sheep, maybe it's a sherbel, maybe like a hybrid gerbil sheep. They're kind of the same thing. One's just bigger than the other. Never heard it. Not in my whole life. Why? Because nobody wants to be associated with a piece of meat that walks with this wool over it and has no way to defend itself. In fact, sheep are so defenseless that ravens have been known to land on their head and literally peck their eyes out, and a sheep does nothing about it. I know that's not a pretty picture, kids. I'm sorry you had to hear that. Parents, uh, you'll have to do a little counseling, a little cleanup there. My, my bad. Uh, I should have warned you. So again, this isn't about God saying you're weak. In fact, we're more than conquerors. The righteous are bold as lions. But you're not bold as a lion and you're not a conqueror because of you. It's the shepherd you walk with. And this is a reason we need to walk so closely with him. And lastly, sheep are directionless. Look at this proverb. Proverb 21, uh, 2. Every man's way is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart, or the Lord weighs the, weighs the motive of the heart. Proverbs 14, 12 says this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Have you ever been so convinced that you were right? So convinced that the direction you were taking, you had even people in your life that were being used by God to say, dude, don't go down this road. Don't do this. I promise you this will not end well. And in your heart and in your mind, you're like, I don't care what y'all think. Like, this is exactly what I need to do. I feel it. And if I feel it, it's a fact. And this is the direction I'm going. And then you end up like, in, in, a, in, a, in a valley, in a bad spot, and you're like, how did I get here? Well, here's how you got there. You put on your sheep brain, and instead of following the shepherd, like I have many times, you ended up in a mess. I've had conversations, listen, I fall short every day. I'm, I'm shocked that God continues to use me, that God tolerates me, I'm, I'm shocked. I mean, it's only his love. Um, I, I could, I mean, think about it. Like we can one day, we could be in the zone, right? We could just be, man, my joy is full. I'm happy and I feel like I'm in my call and everything's going great. And you're walking with the shepherd. You're following his ways. You're spending time with him. A week later, you're like, how am I stuck in this sticker bush and I can't get out? I have no idea where I'm at. Like what just happened? I was just with my shepherd and I want, and then you hear Jesus like, come on, man, get out of the bushes. Like this happens every month. Come on, let, let's, let's take you back. I told you, if you wander off, you try and figure it out on your own, you think there's going to be food over here, I'm, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to take care of you. But we start to do things on our own. We get isolated. We, we, we think we have this brilliant idea of what I need to do and where I need to go. And we end up alone, stuck, and broken and here comes Jesus, leaving the 99 to come get us back again. You know, I've talked to unbelievers, secular people, and they don't follow the shepherd. And again, I fall short, this is not judgment. But I am, I'm, I'm shocked when I hear of 
the strong convictions and the, uh, the convinced way that some people think, when I'm hearing it, I'm comparing it to the map our shepherd laid out. Like scripture says, here's where you go, here's what you do, here's how you respond, here's how you think, here's how you posture your heart, here's how you love, here's how you rebuke, here's how you correct, here's how you receive correction, here's how you handle your money, here's how you love your family, this is what marriage looks like, here's how you raise your kids, here's how to schedule your time, here's how to shut it down and stop working, here's how to Sabbath. So God has everything for everything. And I'll hear somebody that doesn't follow the map of the shepherd. And I'm like, literally everything coming out of your mouth is dead end and destruction. And you are absolutely wholeheartedly convinced that this is the way of life. This is what happens when we don't know or follow the shepherd. Whether you're a believer or a secular person who needs to come into relationship with the good shepherd. You know, let me uh, read this and we'll close. Uh, I love this because it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The word want in Hebrew is lack, need, be empty. And what he's saying here is that when I follow the shepherd, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lack, I'm not going to be empty on the inside. This is talking of internal provision and external provision. Meaning that if I'll stay with the shepherd, God is not going to allow me to be in a position that I have this just uh, untouched desire and this starvation of soul that can never be filled. God's going to say, listen, if you walk with me, you may not have everything you want in this natural life, but you are going to have a full heart and a full heart is better than a full bank account. I promise you, I've had a lot of money. And I've, I've been able to do some really cool things that money provided. And it's great. And, and most of it honestly came from the Lord's blessing. But I've also been really broke. Broke as a joke, right? But in those moments, I've, I've found the treasure of the shepherd. And I've walked with him in a, one whisper uh, from, the, from, the, from the shepherd in, in an intimate moment, even in a dark place. It fills my soul more than any lottery ever could. And so he says, you're not going to be in want. You're not going to lack internally. You're going to have peace. You're going to feel rich if you walk with me, even if you don't have it on the outside. And then externally, he's also going to provide for you as well. He's going to take care of your needs. This is Matthew 6, uh, 33. Um, And I'll just skip to the end. It says, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles strive after these things. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. Um, your Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and all His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own. So in closing, we have a God whose provision looks like this. Hey, Jesus, you owe taxes, and so do your disciples. Hey, Peter, we owe taxes. Take a fishing trip. You're going to catch a fish, look in its mouth. Bam, gold coin. Right there, taxes paid. Right? I usually go on fishing trips. It costs me a gold coin, and I usually don't come back with a fish. So it works for me. But God is so incredible. God fed Elijah in 1 Kings, I think, 17. He fed him with ravens. Ravens came and brought him meat and bread. 
And then God sent him to a widow, one of the poorest women in the land, and used her to take care of the man of God, and then he took care of her. What I'm saying is, is that God is not limited in his capacity or creativity to give you provision and fulfill your want because he is our supply, he's our shepherd, he's the one who leads us, guides us, and protects us. Are you walking with him? Are you listening to him? Are you waking up every day to stay close to him? If not, then I bet you're missing out on that fulfillment that he has, that direction, and that purpose that causes us to come alive. And I'm gonna close with this. Maybe you're somebody who doesn't know Jesus. There is a, there's a, later in this passage it says that, you know, um, I'll spend all my days with him. He's talking about being in heaven. There's, there's, no, there's no spending eternity in heaven unless you're a sheep. And there's no becoming one of his sheep unless you have put your faith and trust in the good shepherd, which is Jesus Christ. And maybe you're a believer today and you say, you know what, I'm stuck in the sticker bushes. I'm constantly wandering out of the fold to try and find fulfillment. So let me pray. Uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you and we ask for every person who's not a believer, who hasn't truly put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the only way to salvation. We ask that, Lord God, you would cause them to trust in you, to turn to you, knowing that if we repent and we confess you as Lord, we will be saved. Every sin we've committed will be forgiven and washed clean. And that God, we will be brought into your fold as your sheep and you'll be our shepherd. And you'll lead us in eternal life now and in the life to come. And God, for those of us who are, who are believers that follow you one day and end up in the sticker bushes the next, follow you one day, end up surrounded by wolves out on our own the next day. God, I pray that you would help us to wake up daily realizing our way will never lead to anything good. But when we follow you, we find purpose, fulfillment, satisfaction, provision, protection, and everything we need because you are a good God and a shepherd who has our best in mind. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed this message. If you know anybody who needs this word or needs some hope, please forward this and share it on social media. And if you want to know more about Redeem Church, you can go to redeem.church. Love you. Praying you have a great week. We'll see you soon.